Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. We are starting a new series coming up to Christmas, um, and uh, we've called it Written in the Sky. It's based around the account of the Magi that we read about in um, Matthew 2, verses 10 to 12. And there it says this, that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. In these three really short verses, we see that the coming of Christ elicited four responses from the Magi. And we're going to argue over the next number of Uh, weeks, well, a few weeks, and right up until Christmas Eve, that the coming of Christ should elicit from us, should stir within us the exact same responses as we see from the Magi. So week by week, we're going to look at these things now between today and Christmas Eve. And we're going to begin this morning by looking at the fact that the coming of Christ filled the Magi with joy. So as we dive in, let's just pray and ask God to come and speak to us this morning. Father, as we come up to Christmas, where we commemorate the birth of your son, Father, we do see reason for joy there, so much reason for joy. And so this morning, as we come and as we consider this idea, this thought, we pray that you would come by your spirit and that you would prompt that in our hearts, that you would help us to see anew what the birth of Christ has done for us, and that it would elicit from us the response that we see from the Magi. And so we commit this time now to that end. We commit this time to you, and we ask for your blessing upon us all for Christ's sake, and in his name I pray, amen. Matthew 2.10 once again says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. In short then, this morning, we see that the birth of Christ filled the Magi with joy, and it should do the same for us. And already this morning, I can see that some of you are saying, well, hang on, hold on, hold the phone, dude. It says that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed joyed, that they were filled with joy. Not when they saw Jesus. So how are you making that leap? Well, it's a good question. And so let's take a little bit closer look, because as we do, we'll recognize, we'll see quickly that it wasn't the star that they were focused on. And it wasn't the star that brought them great joy. But rather, it was because 
they knew what the star represented. They knew what the star signified and what it signaled. So let's go back and look at Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. There we see that it was clear to the Magi what the star actually represented. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So the Magi, we understand, knew, recognized that the star represented the Messiah, which is fascinating all in and of itself because they were Gentiles. They had come from a different land. But they recognized what this star was all about and who it represented. Now, we're not sure exactly how they knew that. Perhaps God had appeared to them, given them some sort of an indication or sign But it also might be on account of Balaam's prophecy way back in Numbers 24, verse 17. Perhaps they were familiar with this, where Balaam said, as he's blessing the children of Israel, he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. This is a prophecy understood to be predicting the birth of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus Christ. And so perhaps the Magi equated these verses with this star that had appeared. In any way, one way or another, they recognized that this star was not just a star, but that it signaled a birth. And not just any birth, but the birth of the Messiah, the one that would come to save his people. We also see that the baby was understood to be the Messiah, even more directly from Herod. In his response to the Magi, in verses 3 and 4. Matthew 2, verses 3 and 4. There, King Herod responds and he says this, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the, the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. So the Magi appear, and they're asking about this new birth, this one that had been born king of the Jews. Herod's upset, and immediately he goes to his wise guys, and he says, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? So he's connected the dots. He recognizes that they're talking about the Messiah, the one that the Jewish people have been predicting and waiting for, anticipating for years that was going to come to be this new ruler over them, to set them free, that was going to save them. So it was Herod's understanding 
that this wasn't just the birth of another ruler, which would have been threat enough, but that this was the birth of the Messiah. And if that weren't enough, then we also get another clue as to the recognition that this was Jesus, that this was the Messiah, from the response of Herod's wise guys, as they respond to Herod about where the Messiah was to be born. And what they do is they point back to Micah chapter 5, even more specifically, chapter 5 verses 2 to 4, which was a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And they refer to that in verse 6. They say, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, in the land of Judah, sorry, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So as they respond to Herod about where the Messiah was to be born, they point to Judah and they do so through Micah. And that Micah 5 verses 2 to 4 is, is again a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And there, in that prophecy, way back in Micah's time, it refers also to a shepherd. The shepherd that will come. And so they equate that, they, as they refer to then the shepherd here in, that, in their response to Herod, we see that that was what they were, that, what they were also understanding. That this was, this was the Messiah. The Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. He was going to come as a shepherd. And as they refer to the shepherd, then even that then is another indication. That would have probably pointed a lot of people back to Ezekiel chapter 34, where God comes along and he chastises the children of Israel and specifically the, the, their leadership, the religious leaders of the day for being bad shepherds over his people, leading his people astray, leading them away from God rather than to them, to him. And he says, God says back in Ezekiel 34, that I will send my own shepherd. I will come myself to shepherd my people which is again another indication, would have been another clue for them that this wasn't just a birth of an, the birth of another boy. This wasn't just the birth of another ruler. But this was the birth of the Messiah. And so as the Magi recognized that, as they connected those dots They were filled with joy because they knew that this one born was coming to save his people. I would submit to you this morning that as you and I now look back, they were looking forward. They had anticipated the coming of the Messiah and then it had arrived. Now for you and I, we look back on the birth of the Messiah. But no less, no less should we be filled with joy recognizing who Jesus is and what he has done for you and I today. The fact that Christ arrived and that signaled him coming on mission to save you and I from our sin. And as we contemplate that, then that we should have joy well up in our lives, understanding what that means for you and I today. Since since the Garden of Eden, 
and Adam and Eve's fall, where they chose to rebel against God and introduced sin to our world, we have been having to contend with the effects of sin ever since. We've been having to navigate, if you will, the problems, the hurts, the pain that sin introduced for us. All of these things that we have to experience that are so unpleasant in our lives. Sin has translated for you and I into failure, into loss, into misery that happens so regularly for us day by day. All these challenges that we have to face because of that decision, because of our own decisions as well, to sin, to deviate from God. And what's more, in Romans 5.12, Paul tells us that by our sin, not only do we have to now navigate all the challenges, the misery, the hurts, the, the, the problems that we encounter, but that also death entered this world. And it has become our lot, yours and mine and everyone else's, to have to die. All on the account of sin. And that's not even all yet. Because beyond sin, then we also have to look forward to a judgment by God. Because a holy God cannot tolerate sin. It has to be dealt with. And the punishment for sin is then separation from him. Damnation. And so this morning, as we think about what sin means, it's not just that we have to go through challenges and problems here. It's not just that we have to endure hurts, heartaches, misery in places, in pockets throughout our lives. It's not just that we have to go through this thing called death, but it's also very much that one day that without having our sin addressed, we will also be contending with hell for eternity. And you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, wow, this is a message on joy. Don't want to be around when the dude talks about something negative. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Don't miss this. Until we recognize and see what sin does for you and I, to you and I, until we recognize the significance of sin, we will never fully appreciate, we will never have the full joy that Christ brings. This morning, I would offer for you that if you don't have joy in your life, maybe, maybe you need to take a closer look at sin, who we are on account of our sin, what we can anticipate on account of our sin. And once 
we begin to recognize that Christ came, that his birth signaled and signified his arrival to deal with the penalty of our sin on yours and my behalf, then we start to understand and find the joy that we need in life. Then we start to recognize what we have in him. That through him, that through Jesus, we can be set free from sin. We are no longer slaves to sin in our lives. That we don't have to live that sort of life anymore. That that chain has been broken. That in the coming of Christ, that we have now a new identity. That we have been moved from the status of sinner to saint. That we've been exonerated as enemies of God and brought into his family, made his children, his children. That we have been saved, spared death and hell. And what's more, that we have eternity now to look forward together with God in heaven and not hell removed from him. Now, I think that that is reason for great joy. For you and I today, as we come to appreciate that and understand that, then we have reason for great joy. This morning, this is why we celebrate, quote-unquote, communion. We don't celebrate that Christ came and died, that he had to die. That's not what we're here celebrating. We're celebrating what his death accomplished, what his death and resurrection brings to the table for you and I this morning. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and we're going to take time right now to remember this. Christ said, This do in remembrance of him. Jesus is always, always working on our best interest, with our best interests at heart. And so I think that he tells us to remember this regularly so that it will, again, sort of recalibrate our scales so that we will again focus on who he is and what he has done and that that will then bring us the joy that we need as we encounter the difficulties of this world. That against this backdrop, against what he's done, that then that can transcend the challenges that you and I face today and bring joy back into our lives, giving us the perspective that we have because of his death and resurrection on our behalf. I'm going to ask the ushers, if they would, or the servers, if they would pass out the elements and encourage you to just keep them until everyone has been served and once they have then we'll partake together.
The wafer represents Christ's body broken in our place. The, blood represent, or the cup represents his blood shed on our behalf, by which, through his death, death and resurrection, we have forgiveness of sin. This do in remembrance of him. With Christ's sacrifice in view. Now, I think we can understand that this should precipitate joy for each one of us, despite our circumstances. And that as we place our faith in Him, then that revolutionizes our life at the most fundamental of all levels and changes completely our perspective going forward. The Apostle Peter articulated it like this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. to 9. <clears throat> There he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be, to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the, that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end results of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Through Christ, his coming, his perfect life lived and then sacrificed for us on the cross. His death and resurrection, we are receiving the salvation of our souls. Amen. And with this in mind then, we can understand as we read passages like from Paul to us in Philippians 4, verse 4, where he just says simply, Rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say it, rejoice. Now this morning, I'm not trying to be glib. And I want us to recognize that we are not supposed to be oblivious or impervious 
to the hurts and challenges of life today. When Paul says, rejoice, and again I say rejoice, he's not blind to the fact that there is junk that we have to navigate in our lives. That there are difficulties that are very real and that hurt. Pain that comes to you and I today. He's not, he's not blind to that. He's not oblivious, and nor are we to be. But what he's reminding, of it, us, reminding us of here, what he is calling us to remember, is that Christ's sacrifice, what he has done for us, reaches deeper than our deepest lows. That the challenges that we encounter here, on account of our sin, on account of our brokenness, on account of the brokenness of this world, that those things all are shallower. They're, they're not nearly as deep as what Christ has done. He's reached deeper than all of that to solve the problem of our sin. And with that base then covered, that then these challenges are dwarfed by His provision for us. That even in those deepest of challenges, then we can reach deeper still to find the joy that comes from Christ through His death, death and resurrection for us. The reality is that as we come to know Jesus, then the worst of this world, the worst of this world, is not nearly, not nearly as bad as the best of this world without Jesus Christ. The worst of this world is not nearly as bad as the best of this world without Jesus Christ. Because without Him, everything's lost. Everything's lost. And not just for now, but for eternity. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, need to get that through our heads today. We have to try and wrap our minds around that. And as we do, then we find joy to go forward. And that provides for us the opportunity for joy to percolate out from us through our lives into the world around us. As we learn to see life through that lens, as we learn to even see our challenges and our problems against that backdrop, the benefits that Christ brings, then we can have joy despite our circumstances. So this morning, as we see that the Magi were filled with joy, we should recognize as well that as followers of Jesus Christ, for everyone that claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that we should be joyful people. And that of all people, Christians should be the most joyful people. This morning, church family, 
Friends, I have a concern, though. That we don't have a reputation of being joyful people. I'm not just talking about FBC. I'm talking about us categorically. Believers in Jesus, I think, have lost this joy. And then we're starting to go around through life as bitter people. As judgmental people. That we've lost this joy and we're being dragged down into petty arguments and fights. I'm concerned that we are taking our eyes off of Jesus and that as we do, that we are being unwittingly drawn into political agendas by elements that are trying to leverage the beliefs and the different perspectives of our faith in order to accomplish political ends. Their own agendas. And that as that happens, as we're drawn into these things, that we're also being duped into thinking that that has become our spiritual mission in life. That we are here somehow, that our our spiritual aim is to get conservatives or liberals elected, to get Republicans or Democrats elected, that we need to get environmentalists in place or somehow overcome global warming or not. That our, that our spiritual mandate has become to argue for or against masks. To campaign for or against vaccines. And that as that is happening, what is happening then is that our true spiritual mission, which is to live for Jesus Christ, become more like Him, and then represent Him, share Him with the world around us, to a world that needs a Savior, that real mission, that real spiritual mission, is being supplanted by these pseudo-quasi-spiritual missions that we have engaged in, that we have allowed ourselves to be drawn into, that we have come to consider legitimately spiritual things. And as a result of that, as we take our eyes off of Christ and we begin to look at these things and as we see the the, the world going our way or against our way, that our joy ebbs and flows. And I would dare say more flows than ebbs. Or I mean ebbs than flows. How do you ever want to look at that? I don't know which side of the tide you're on. But we've taken our eyes off of Christ and we're looking at political things. We're looking at separate agendas, petty things. Not not to say petty things. Lesser things. Secondary things in our world today. And that's robbing us of our joy. In fact, it's actually dividing us. Pitting us one against another. 
And when at a time, at a time when we should be the most evident in our world, a bunch of people that are going about full of joy despite our circumstances, when we could shine the brightest, that we have dropped to their level, to everyone's level, to this base level where we're fighting amongst each other, even with one another. And this morning I would just say that we need to stop and take a second look. A sober second look at ourselves. And where we're at in that this morning. Are we becoming disillusioned? Are we becoming distraught? Has our joy disappeared and what kind of a testimony am I being to a hurting world out there that doesn't know Jesus now don't hear me wrong this morning I'm not saying that our faith shouldn't inform our politics and shouldn't inform some of these topics and subjects I'm not saying that But what I'm saying, very definitely, is that all of these things are secondary to our primary mission of making Jesus Christ known to the world around us. That you and I, our primary, our foremost responsibility is to know Christ, to grow in our maturity in Him, and then to demonstrate Him to a world that doesn't know Him yet. Because our biggest problem, and theirs, is that sin exists and is going to send us to hell. Unless we know Him. Place our faith in Him today. Now having said all of that, having said all of that, Let me say way to go FBC. Because about 10 days ago, I think we brought joy to our community in a very real and cool way through our Jingle Jam drive-in event. We're going to show you some pictures here of that. And as you look at the pictures, then let me just tell you a little bit about it. So Kelsey and her crew came up with this idea to do Jingle Jam a drive-in. And we asked you to bring, blow up decorations and lights and so on and so forth, and we literally lit the place up and invited people to come and take in this program in the backyard. We had that big screen set up out there, and we showed a, a program and so on and so forth, and, and 237 people came to check it out not including everybody that happened to drive by and just wanted to come in and check out the lights just because they saw it. And just were driving by, looking, seeing what was going on. That day, we were a bright spot on the horizon of Lloydminster. We brought joy to people that came, to those that were driving by. There was some optimism. There was some excitement. There was some enthusiasm about life because of this event. You saw some of the volunteers, that was just a fraction of them. They 
people were here setting up for eight hours, ten hours ahead of time. And we went through the event, and then the people stayed, and we had her all taken down again by nine o'clock that night. Way to go, FBC. That is who we are to be. You and I working to be bright spots of joy in our community. And that as we are, as we are that attractive, as our joy shines, then we earn an opportunity to share Jesus Christ with people because they stop and wonder what's going on. And some people driving by, one lady hammered on the brakes. Dana went out to talk to her. She said, what's going on? He said, we're having a a show, a drive-in. She said, can anybody come? He says, yeah, it's free. So she backed up her truck and in she came. And other people that just asked, would it be okay if we just drove through to see the lights even before we had started? No idea who these people are. But that's who we're to be. Shining lights in our community. Pockets of joy that will impact people for Christ. I want to also say a big thank you to everyone that's done the decorating around here. You've seen that. I don't know about you. As I come in and see that, that just gives me a lift. And again, it's a demonstration of who we're to be. A bunch of, a whole team of people came in and have been decorating over the course of the last number of days this past week or so and and as we come in today, we get to enjoy that, even for ourselves. That's just opportunity to have some joy. Thank you for that. And again, it's a demonstration of who we can be. Each of us is an individual light. And as we light up, then we stand out to the world around us. As we get sucked into these other things and as we allow that to rob our joy, our lights go out and the darkness prevails. Maybe you're here this morning though. Maybe you're watching online. And your joy has disappeared. Maybe today for you, the circumstances of your world are overwhelming and joy just seems like such an impossibility. I hear that. And so can I encourage you with three things this morning? Four things, actually. First of all, can I ask, have you met Jesus? Have you... Come to know him yet, who he is and what he has done for you. And if you haven't, can I encourage you? Give us a call. Talk to somebody that knows him. Allow us to introduce him to you so that you can know what he's done for you and the difference that that can make in your life. And if you have done that, but still the circumstances of your life are robbing you of the joy that comes through him, can I encourage you with three other things? 
First of all, I'd encourage you to go back and carefully evaluate whether you're obeying God today. Seems kind of odd. How does that apply? Let me tell you. John 15, verse 11 says this. This is Jesus speaking. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And just before this, we see that Jesus has tied his joy to doing the will of the Father. Christ says that he has joy, that he's full of joy because he has done the will of the Father. And here now he connects for you and I that as we do what he's given us to do, what he's passed on now for us to do, as we pick that up in turn, that he will give us his joy and that our joy may be full. So this morning, if the joy of the Lord seems to be sort of gone for you, go to him and ask him if there's something that you're not being obedient to him in so that you can get that right so that he can give you his joy and that your joy can be complete. Second thing this morning, if that joy is gone, if it's disappeared for you, then I'd encourage you to do what David did. David went to the Lord and asked him to restore his joy. Psalm 51 verse 12 says, David says to God, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. There are times in our lives when the junk crowds out the joy. And we need to just go back to God and say, please, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Help, me, help it come back into focus for me again. Help me to see above this junk to catch a glimpse of you. I need that today. So be like David and ask. Third thing, I'd encourage you. If that joy has disappeared for you, then let's go back. Go back to the basics of our faith. Go back and remind yourself of God's care and provision. Go back and review his promises to us. His promises to never leave us or forsake us. Go back and remind yourself of His love. The kind of love that would have Him send His Son so to that end, let me remind you this morning from Luke 2. We read there, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, 
into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, This morning, we just stopped, Lord, and we say thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord, thank you for what that means for each one of us as we choose to pursue him, to recognize him, to acknowledge him, to place, make him Savior of our lives, Lord of our lives, as we put our faith in Him. This morning, Father, I would pray that as we come up onto Christmas, that that truth, that event, would resonate anew in our hearts and in our minds. That we would see it for what it truly is, that you would help us to understand and comprehend that even more. And that as we do now, that we would be filled with joy, just as the Magi were. And the Lord, from there then, that you would help us to see our lives differently, that that joy would transcend our circumstances, and that you would grow our testimony to the world around us as they see us as we should be a people of great joy on account of who you are and what you've done. So to that end, Father, I pray these things now and I ask this all in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. One more reason for joy this morning. Donut Sunday. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.